very good to be here with you, truly. This is from um, a great, great Zen text, highly recommended, the Book of Rinzai. Rinzai addressed the practitioner saying, Nowadays, those of you who practice Buddha Dharma need to have true insight. If you get true insight, you will no longer be tainted by life and death, and you will be free to go or to stay. Though you don't seek that which is excellent, that which is excellent will come to you all by itself. Followers of the way, outstanding ancient teachers, all had their own methods to liberate people. In the case of this mountain monk, all I want to point out is that you must not be deluded by others. If you want to act, just act. Don't ever be intimidated. You students nowadays don't get it. What is the dis-ease? The disease is a lack of self-confidence. If your faith is insufficient, you will keep on wandering in confusion. No matter what the circumstances, you will be controlled and led around by others. You will not find freedom. If you can stop your continuously seeking mind, then there will be no difference between you and the Buddhas. Would you like to know the Buddhas and ancestors? They are none other than those of you who are now in front of me listening to the Dharma. Yet because you students of Dharma don't have enough confidence in yourselves, you search outwardly. Even if you find something through seeking externally, that something is merely a description in written words. You will never get the vital spirit of the ancestors that way. Make no mistake, virtuous Zen students. If you don't meet this right now, you will transmigrate in the three realms for 10,000 kalpas and thousands of lives, led by your preferences to be reborn as a donkey or a cow. Those are actually the two choices, donkey or cow. Followers of the way, according to this mountain monk's view, we are not different from Shakyamuni Buddha. Is there anything you lack in your everyday activities? The six rays of divine light never cease shining. Seeing, hearing, feeling, touching, tasting, thinking. If you can understand in this way, then you'll just be a person with nothing to get throughout your life. Thank you, Master Rinzai. So confidence in Dharma, today I'm going to talk about doubt and faith, or doubt and trust. Confidence in Dharma is not confidence in Buddhist teaching, ultimately, because ideas and notions and doctrines can only give a brittle faith. And a brittle faith is a defensive faith. It's an insecure faith. It's a faith that needs to criticize other faiths. The brittleness of ideas, notions, and doctrines, if we try to stand on them, makes us insecure. And that's the situation of human beings, pervasive anxiety that doesn't let up because we stand on either someone else's or our own doctrines, ideas, and notions that are brittle. And so we feel insecure.
Words themselves can't soothe the deep ache of separation. Nobody's. And so for Zen students, confident in Dharma is confidence in oneself. Now don't start thinking about Buddhist doctrine, self, no self. That's just another snare right now. Confidence is confidence in oneself. Oneself as the gate and the fruit. Oneself as the world we experience. This kind of situation where we're so basically engaging the Dharma by this simple encounter with ourselves over and over reveals the heart that we live with. It's not some rarefied, special version of us that we encounter. We encounter the heart that we live within. And as we endeavor in this encounter, we might see that doubt half-heartedly enters the gate of oneself, or it enters timidly. Doubt enters with caveats, with bargains, with negotiations. It enters with one foot out the door, with an eye towards the exit. And this is what doubt does. Doubt can't go through the gate. Doubt cannot enter the gate of oneself. And interestingly, there either is or there isn't doubt. There either is or isn't hesitation in any given moment. There's a lot of ways that psychology and deep dharma absolutely do not meet. In practice, we don't have to believe that things exist for us when they're not existing. Don't believe that something is real for you when it's not existing. Just enter the gate of the body of oneself. The the narrative of identity can, like, flypaper have all kinds of things that get stuck to it about all that's inside of me. Oh, because of 10 years ago, such and such happened, there's this thing inside me. Oh, because I went through this, there's this thing inside me. But we don't have to believe that things exist for us when they're not actually existing. This is the body of nowness. It's not esoteric. What's true right now? So doubt 
for the body of nowness has no place to land. This is the core teaching. This is the intimate preaching, the body of nowness, oneself. If we hesitate, it's not that, or at least it's not actualized as that. In Zen practice, nothing is being foisted on us from the outside. And when I was younger and first starting to explore the Dharma, I couldn't get anywhere near the other traditions because I felt like I had to believe something. I felt like new ideas were being foisted on me that I couldn't accept. I wasn't open-minded enough to, to meet them. Like I said, they offended my pride. Something beautiful about Zen practice is nothing is being foisted on you from the outside. You're simply invited into the body of nowness, the gate of yourself. The teachings are an invitation to enter the gate of yourself. And we enter and then we forget entering. If I was more skillful, this wouldn't sound abstract. This is about this moment and in what way we're being this moment. Dogen says, You may think that in mountains many wise people and great sages are assembled, but after entering the mountains, not a single person meets another. There's just the activity of mountains. There's no trace of anyone having entered the mountains. Doubt has a lot to do with the accurate mistrust of the world as a place that will meet our needs or keep us safe. But body of nowness has not entered the gate of oneself previously. Nothing is brought forward. That's memory. That's artifacts of the past. Nothing is being foisted on you. It's a fresh encounter. Nothing has to be believed. It's just the fresh encounter. And so we could say practice is the body of nowness and the fruit of practice is the body of nowness. And they happen at the same time. How big is that body of nowness? In total acceptance, there isn't total acceptance. And yet great space is on our side. You don't need to know you're in big mind or some idea like that. You are. If you know about it, you're probably not. This is, this is faith. This is entering the gate. 
forgetting that we did so. This is simple. This is simple. We could say that this nowness body is made of trust. It's made of faith. And that faith has no timeline. It has no cause. It has no source. This faith is not going to arise when you clear up all the arguments you have with the tradition. If this faith could arise, it would fail you. If this faith could arise, it would not be able to hold you. But thankfully, this faith, the body of nowness, has no cause and no source. It's like space, or like the five elements. It's like the heart-mind. Barriers are encountered. That's an experience we have. And something in us, something in me, the only person I ever have known, something in me withers a bit at a barrier. It's like, oh, it's not easy anymore. It's not fun anymore. It's not clear anymore. And I'm like a wilted little flower. But faith doesn't wither. Not this kind of faith. We stay intimate with the barrier. It's not actually a barrier. It's the body of nowness. Doubt says barrier. The withering flower says the sun is now blocked. But for faith, it's just this texture. It's just the body of nowness. It would be pointless to speak about this, but all of us are replete. So in staying intimate with the different textures of barrier that we encounter, the barriers break open. And it's as if we walk through a wall. Because barrier is not seen as barrier. It's just that what comes down is not a mistake for faith. Doubt says, this is a mistake. I don't like it. It doesn't match what I've read, what I want. But for faith, it's just that what comes down is not a mistake. And the response to what comes down is not a mistake either. It may be that over time we begin to appreciate that intimate practice is losing the forest for the tree. And being so close to that tree, it's hard to name it. It's hard to grasp it. 
And along with that, our skillfulness and our creativity in practice, our resourcefulness. The Zen tradition is not one of many techniques. And part of the reason for that is we're invited into our own resourcefulness. There actually aren't so many rules about how to do this. I mean, don't sit on your cushion and flap around and make a bunch of noise. Maybe don't completely ignore your teacher. But this is a creative endeavor. So our skillfulness and our, our navigating of things may grow over time, but that doesn't change. That for faith, what comes down is not a mistake. Doubt wilts. Doubt says, I'm doing it wrong. One of my favorite things about session is I get to read Rumi. I have no reason that I don't in my everyday life. But I feel that the way this tenderizes us and essentializes us, I can hear this more freely. The translator named this poem, What is Not Here? I start out on this road, call it love or annihilation. I only know what is not here. Resentment seeds, back-scratching greed, worrying about outcome, fear of people. When a bird gets free, it does not go back for remnants left on the bottom of the cage. Close by, I am rain. Far off, cloud of fire. I seem restless, but I am deeply at ease. Like a tree, branches tremble, roots are still. I am a universe in a handful of dirt, whole and totally demolished. Talk about choices does not apply to me. While intelligence considers options, I learned this from Hogan. You can just play with poems and make them suit your needs. When doubt considers options, when doubt considers options, I am somewhere lost in the wind. Talk about choices does not apply to me. While doubt considers options, I am somewhere lost in the wind. I suppose there's something to be said for good doubt. Nobody wants to be fooled. The world does sell snake oil. Surface culture is a very big landfill of broken promises, only getting bigger. So be skeptical. The energy and skepticism, we use it. As Rinzai was exhorting us, don't be fooled by others. It's good to doubt certain kinds of ideals because human beings are human Saintliness is an allegory rather than literal. 
The Tibetans have a saying that it's best to live three mountains away from your teacher. For some reason, the Zen tradition decided it's best to live in the same building. <laughs> There's wisdom in both. Saintliness is an allegory rather than something literally true. So be skeptical of trying to squeeze yourself into too small, too pure an ideal. Also, don't undersell yourself. Habitual mind is deluded, so be skeptical. It exaggerates, puts onto things what's not there. It denigrates. It doesn't want to see what is there. Not seeing what's here. Seeing what's not here. the sway of unexamined desire. The Dharma is endless, it seems, and actually transformative. So have doubt about the sense that it's been all completed. Seen what there is to see. Next, please. Be skeptical about a Buddhism-infused rationalization, resignation into lacking nothing, no enlightenment. Just eating my oatmeal and pissing. This is the Dharma. Three Rumi poems, this talk. This poem is called, There is Nothing Ahead. Rumi uses the word lovers for people who are devoted to the mystery, devoted to the divine, devoted to spirit. In a way, it's equivalent to a wayfarer or a person of the way, but the Sufis really valued getting your heart into it. There's nothing ahead. Lovers think they are looking for each other, but there is only one search. Wandering this world is wandering that, both inside one transparent sky. In here, there is no dogma, and there is no heresy. In here, there is no dogma, and there is no heresy. The miracle of Jesus is himself, not what he said or did about the future. Forget the future. I would worship someone who could do that. On the way, you may want to look back or not, but if you can say, there is nothing ahead, there will be nothing there. This is about faith. Stretch your arms and take hold the cloth of your clothes with both hands. The cure for pain is in the pain. 
This is what we've been practicing all week. The cure for pain is in the pain. Good and bad are mixed. If you don't have both, you don't belong here with us. When one of us gets lost, is not here, he must be inside us. There is no place like that anywhere in the world. And doubt can be like a virus. Doubt is the endemic that the vaccine doesn't come cheap. Trustless thinking is so seductive. Paranoia. In Buddhist cosmology, we're in the God realm, meaning we have resources that other people don't. They want them, therefore we're insecure. The consequence of having and not wanting to lose is paranoia. And so trustless thinking, insecure thinking that's a response to the fact of insecurity is endemic and the vaccine is not cheap. And we can watch as we do the nitty-gritty of practice that the doubting intellect and trustless thinking can make barriers to engaging a practice, even as the heart says, yes. Something that I don't understand about spiritual life is how the intellect is able to override the heart. Something as puny as the intellect is able to blot out our experience of the spirit. I don't get that. But it seems like it can. You and I are fully empowered to disbelieve anything, even our own experience. You would think that you could touch, taste the Dharma, genuine from head to toe, and you wouldn't be able to doubt that, but guess what? Mind is an open space of creativity. You and I are fully empowered to disbelieve anything. Another cultural fashion is to be jaded. To be jaded is not intelligence, it's just to be jaded. And if you find that you are jaded, that's beautiful because you might also find disappointment underneath there. And disappointment is divine gasoline. Disappointment is gold. With the body of nowness, doubt takes disappointment and makes despair. We're fully empowered to disbelieve anything. But as we do so, is the heart in the same boat or not? Are your guts in the same boat or not? 
there's some good faith on a more conventional level, things will change. You can have faith in that. Things will change. And this, whatever your this is, is just a communing of factors. It's just a meeting. This session is just your consciousness and these phenomena meeting. It's shared intentions meeting. The body is just some factors temporarily still meeting. An image of basically anything in the conditioned world that I like is like if you made a cone out of sticks leaning on each other. You can do that next time you're camping. You can make a beautiful structure like that. You take one stick out and the whole thing's, it's done. This is how precious our life is. This is how precious our opportunity is to practice. Things will change. That's a good faith principle to remember when you hit a dark time. Or maybe we need someone else to share that which we know in those dark times, things will change. We lose the forest for the tree. Things will change, but it won't change into something that need dismay or surprise you. Part of this practice is opening our eyes to the way the world is, and there's nothing that needs to surprise us. Everything is normal, all of it. You can't look out in the world and see something abnormal. Maybe someone says climate change is abnormal, but how do we know? It could be happening on other planets, other universes. could have happened before. Everything is completely normal. And what is anxiety really then? Is it a non-acceptance of the normal truths of life coming down the pipe for me, for you, for everyone? Is it an argument with the deep structure of the universe? I think that's one of the strangest things I do. I draw a line in the sand and say, life, I'll take this stuff, and you can keep the rest over there. Check this out in an intimate way in meditation. We can have faith that the structure of the universe won't give way. Everything is eternal. Our hearts can reveal themselves in new and surprising ways. Like one of the beautiful things about the spiritual path is we don't know what we don't know. We haven't encountered what we haven't encountered. But life broadly, it doesn't leap out of its blueprint. Birth, confusion, pleasure, sickness, dying. It's not going anywhere. So we don't have to worry about the universe. Someone always will. Rumi says, stay. 
Do not make excuses to leave. Drink wine from this friendship's vineyard. Do not turn to the window or the porch. Live here in this circle. Wanting what is outside is a bait that will trap you. Step out onto sky through the round threshold. Be alone in your search for absolute aloneness. Be a bowl thrown out on the ocean. Be a bowl thrown out on the ocean. Not a bowl held out for more going kitchen to kitchen. That's very beautiful Zazen encouragement there. Be a bowl thrown out on the ocean. Not a bowl held out for more going kitchen to kitchen. Time is bright, then dark, warm and cold by turns. Live at the spring head where the flowing begins. Do not find fault and do not compliment anyone. Do not offer pastry or garlic. What's the use? You may as well tell torches not to burn. As a lover, say to whatever burns, burn. Why would you do that? Say to whatever burns, burn, except for the ache of separation. Except for the ache of separation. except for the ache of suffering. But that is not always true either. Everything put into words is questionable. So our sincerity is gathering power. The mind clarifies, heart relaxes. And it could be that this stage is like the time just before simmer. The pot's warmed up, the heart begins to soften, or the desiccated is moistened and starts to expand. And if we don't mind the kitchen, laziness and doubt or coasting satisfaction can turn the heat down and stop the cooking prematurely. I wish I felt that that was ultimately not true. Ultimately, it's probably not true. It seems true. in the nuts and bolts of engaging practice. Don't let laziness and doubt or coasting satisfaction turn the heat down and stop the cooking prematurely. We lose the forest for the tree we're climbing. This is good. And when not knowing what to do, don't do. When not knowing what to do, let go. 
no grasping. Ask the question, where is their grasping? Because grasping sucks. It's the presence of suffering. It's the doing of suffering in this moment. Grasping sucks because that holding on is playing small in the midst of vastness. It's weird. Even a little bit of seeking, a little bit of looking, a little bit of doubting obscures. Somehow a moat can block the sun. I don't get it, but it seems to me to be true. If you don't know how to let go, how do you let go? Let be. This body of nowness. As Bai Zhang said, don't relate mind to anything. Don't extend consciousness. Extended consciousness is just consciousness being extended. It's not the vast that does not depend on our extending. We don't relate mind to anything, not because we're disconnecting, but because the body of nowness is intimate. Don't do disturbance. Take on faith that disturbance is 98% our own doing. Don't do disturbance. Don't be disturbed by what disturbance does. And we begin to touch some peace. And peace is not the destination. But it's evidence of walking in faith. It's evidence of the body of nowness. So, let's stay on the burner. <laughs>